Hey, this is Pastor Jay Lee, and you're listening to the Daily Sabbath Podcast. All right, so today, you didn't know it, but we are going to take a trip in a time machine into the future. That's right, we're going to do like Marty McFly, going to get in that DeLorean, and we're going to take a glimpse of the future. And if you don't get that reference, I demand that after you listen to this, that you go watch Back to the Future on Netflix. But today's question that we're talking about is, what does the future of the church look like? And I'm really excited about this question, and I have the perfect guest to talk about this because he lives and breathes this question every single day. And so my guest today is Tommy Nixon. And, you know, I don't throw this word around very often. But I would describe Tommy as being a visionary and a futurist. And so he is the CEO of the Urban Youth Workers Institute, UYWY. It's a national nonprofit that works to equip Christian leaders who are working in urban contexts. And he's also one of the founders of a local nonprofit, Solidarity. And he was the former executive director of that organization. And so, Tommy, thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast today. Yeah, man. Excited to be here, brother. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, just uh, an interesting fact about Tommy, including all those other things that I just mentioned, he was actually one of the planters who planted the church that I'm currently a part of, One Life City Church in uh, Southern California. And so he is my former senior pastor. I've had the pleasure of calling him pastor. And so all that to say, he's not just a talking head, but I've seen him living this out uh, he's a guy who loves Jesus. He loves the Word of God. And so, you know, that's why I'm so excited to have Tommy come here and speak on this topic. And so, man, let's just jump right in. Well, and Tommy will tell us a little bit more about UYWI as we go in this interview. But I just want to jump straight in uh, to the first question, which is, you know, we're talking about what does the future of the church look like? And so I think before we can get there, maybe the, the first question I wanted to sort of ask you about is, uh, let's take a look at the present. Right. And so as you sort of look at the present landscape of the church, like what do you see kind of in the current state of the church that you think maybe is passing away? Yeah, absolutely. I I think we're in a really um, unique time in history. And, you know, a lot of times people you look at this, we had a pandemic going on. You have major political and cultural um, divisions. You have shifts in, in society that we just kind of hit us really quick and and has moved really fast technology is, a, is just in some senses on a, on a freight train that just keeps on going and it's something new every day and so in the midst of all that i think we're actually in a really beautiful time and one of the reasons why i look forward to the future mm-hmm. um which i think the future is here like it's we're living in it um but if we need to wake up and really see okay what then does our response need to be that? And looking forward, what can we build? Mm-hmm. And that's where I have the hope because there's a lot of things about um, the institution of the church, specifically in the United States, that we really need to address, that we need to let die, um, and that we um, can then kind of come together and build towards a future. And so one of those things is this adherence to kind of a Western business model of church. Hmm. So, um, and and really just this kind of idea, it's like, well, you had um, Willow Creek, right? Community, you have Willow Creek, and that's the that's the archetype for all mega churches and church growth movement. 
And if you just do it in these ways and people sold books on it and, and, you know, and then we did youth ministry in this way. And, and Mm. there was a whole like evangelical industrial Christian complex is what I call it. Mm. And so we, we all package this stuff to make a real paradoxical relationship and faith with Jesus into very easy bite-sized things that were easy to understand, easy to sell, and easy to implement in our lives so that we could go along with our lives. Hmm. And so so part of it for me is um, is in looking at all that and just going, can we have the conversation about it? And I feel like what the pandemic and recently what's happened has done is it's just exposed all that stuff. Yeah. We knew that we knew that stuff didn't work. But we were also happy to continue uh, feeding it, continue to be a part of it, continue to build into it because it was built on a system that continued to produce, you know, some of the things that we wanted, uh, you know, uh, kind of this this idea of success. And it and it brought comfort. Right. Mm-hmm. Like church was got to a place where it's really easy. I there's parking attendants. And there's cushioned seats, uh-huh. and man, I can grab that latte in the in the foyer. Yeah, and well, I like that. I, can, I don't want to get rid of that. Okay. No, I'm, dude, and and it's like, oh, I hear this preacher, and he, and he has these dope three points, and he's kind of he's hip looking, and the worship was the way I like all that stuff. Now, inherently, none of that stuff's wrong, mm-hmm. but what the pandemic did is really exposed. Hey, that stuff's like all sand. Like what? Where's like actually living out this this belief and life in Jesus? And so, you know, I could be all down on it, but rather I'm like, man, it feels like God's answering some of our prayers. Now, I don't think He made the pandemic happen. That's not my theology, but I do think He He redeems things. And so, it feels like God's like, I've heard the prayers of of you who have wanted a deeper church to to see people really come to know Jesus. And I'm going to remove, I'm going to challenge some of the comfort that has put mm. you asleep yeah. to really following him. And that, so those are some of the things that I would point out and go, man, they're not inherently wrong or evil, mm-hmm. but there's been this, this, this level of comfort that we've sought that has like desensitized us to, to living this abundant life in Christ that he talks about in John 10, 10, right? So yeah. Okay, so anyway, I know that was a lot. That was kind of like a no, no. no this, we came out the gates yeah. swinging, but yeah, we're, we're just we're just going at it right away. Yeah, okay, yeah. so I mean, you're not saying there's anything wrong with having a big church. There's nothing wrong with having you know great music or or anything like that. But you're just saying that maybe in the midst of that, what we have pursued as the highest value maybe is a comfort and making it easy for people and making it easy to sort of replicate. In different places and and make it blow up big. Yeah, I mean, a, a metaphor maybe is to be like it's like we're on a trip. Like you and I are on a trip to Seattle. That's the destination, right? And we got more enamored with the cozy car and the way that we were getting there, hmm. and it just wanted to pull to the side of the road and just sit in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and not experience the actual destination or the vision of depth with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is then the vehicle that we created to help us get to the vision of of oneness with God and and with Christ and and following Him and, and being like Him, 
really then becomes more about the vehicle yeah. rather than the destination of that. Mm-hmm. And and in some senses, I just feel like that's what I'm picking on. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, guys, hey, uh, I think we ran out of gas. <laughs> are there other ways we could get there? Uh-huh. Are, are there other ways that God's calling us to, to go on this journey with him to get to know him in deeper ways instead of being pulled off to the side of the road in our sweet Tesla, right? Mm-hmm. With, with all the snacks and goodies and being okay with that. And that's really what I rage against is that kind of status quo. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just go, man, then why even follow Jesus if that's what it is? Yeah, I, I mean, I love that. I love that analogy of of just the sweet ride, right? We just kept pimping out this ride more and more and more and making it nicer and nicer. And, it, and we just wanted to hang out in the car. And so I, I love that analogy. <laughs> um, and so maybe we can kind of zero in on, so, you know, that, that car was supposed to take us somewhere, right? It was supposed to get us to a destination, but we just fell so in love with the car itself and its amenities, we didn't want to get out. And so maybe if you could sort of tease apart a little bit more. So what was, like, obviously the destination is um, Jesus, but is there, can you tease apart a little bit more? Like, what what is that destination that we should have been getting to? Or what are some of the things that this vehicle should have been taking us into that maybe we haven't stepped into because we're still just in the car? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I don't I don't think it's the, the perfect analogy or metaphor, mm-hmm. but I, you know, part of that is, is our, is our misunderstanding of what the church is actually there for. So how, what, how is that supposed to facilitate our depth with God? And really a big part of that is, you know, a theology of work that would say, you know, God actually calls you to join with him to co-create, right? And mm-hmm. And the point is not that he needs you to go do it. Because that's another huge mistake we got to address in the church. Like this idea that like I'm bringing Jesus or we got to, I'm reaching people. I'm like, God's already here. He's up to something. I get to join in with him. So if Elohim, the strong creator. So in the beginning, Elohim, Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, Elohim is the word they they use for God in the the Torah in Genesis. It really means strong creator. And so then Jesus invites us and he gives us a picture of that in the garden. And then he gives us a picture of that with the disciples in the gospels that he invites you to come join with what he's already doing in the world. Mm-hmm. And instead it felt like we've just created, why don't you come to this meeting of people and just hear about how other people are doing that. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure that you feel okay and comfortable and I don't offend you and I don't, and but you're not you're just there as a spectator, mm-hmm. and and so that's one a th- kind of a theology of work to understand that. And then a second piece to that is a theology of suffering, which honestly um, doesn't go over well if you're trying to just uh, grow your church, <laughs> yeah. right? That Jesus actually goes, I want you to, to join in with my work, not because I need you, it's because I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. And I go, I always give the analogy. It's like Jay, if we didn't know each other, and I was like, hey, let's be friends. You're like, cool. And then I just sat there and stared at you. That's weird. <laughs> um, you'd be like, uh, so normally just humanity, I'd go, hey, Jay, let's go. And we go do something that we both enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Jesus is Elo- as the creator is like, I love creating. It's who I am. I'm the word of God. I create. And then he invites us to co-create with him, co-create relationships and friendships and families and um, churches and businesses and whatever, you know, because mm-hmm. he's up to something in those spaces. 
Not only does he call you to that, but then he calls you to uh, to actually suffer with. So it's not just work. It's not just join in with me, co-create, but it's to do that, then suffer with those who are around you. Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's then to go, and that takes a lot of work and it takes time and energy and it's really hard. But what that does is as you start to look the pain in the world and God goes, I care about that and I'm doing something about it. I want you to join with me. Then as believers, we join in on that. And what that does is it gets us in over our head because you go, I can't, I don't have the power to change all this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't force people. I, you know, a whole bunch of issues come up. And I run back to God and go, what the heck, God? There's so much pain and I'm doing all this and they didn't listen to me and da, 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 da. And God's like, I know, but this is part of it. I wanted to be with you. Hmm. And that actually pushes me back into his presence, which is actually the destination. And that's the paradox Hmm. is that on the destin, on the road, on the journey, I can actually experience pieces of the destination. That's the kingdom that now and not yet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, so because of all that, how many believers though, that fill our churches every Sunday have that framework and are involved in what God's up to in the world. And it doesn't have to be in these like huge ways. It just, did you love your neighbor? Well, are you caring for your family? How do you treat your coworkers? And that all comes from scripture on how we should live so that people experience the kingdom of God. And then they get invited into that. Mm -hmm. If I asked you, is that how you see the church displayed in our country? (laughs) Yeah, probably not. I don't think I've ever really heard that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever really heard that articulated in too many churches or in ter- too many sermons that I've listened to. Yeah. It's a lot about like more like sin management and making sure that you show up to the events that are created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's so, so much good stuff there. So, I mean, the destination really is that intimacy with Jesus. What I hear you saying, though, is the way that we get there is, one, we have to see ourselves as partnering with God, right? He's inviting us into be a part of what he's doing, but also, too, that we would suffer with because he loves the people around us. And so we enter into their suffering, which then drives us deeper into intimacy with Jesus. And so, you know, maybe one of the reasons why a lot of Christians don't feel like they've experienced, you know, really truly deep intimacy with Jesus is because they're just not where he is, right? You know, he's in the world and he's with the people around around us who are suffering. And if we're not there with him, then, you know, of course, we're not experiencing intimacy because we're not where he's at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I would phrase it like you're just not, you're not aware, you're not paying attention. Hmm. You're not present to it. Because, I mean, Jesus is, you know, Jesus walking around in the gospel is going, the kingdom of God is like, and he's just looking around. He's like, it's like a mustard seed and it's like wheat. And it's like, you know, it's like all these things. And part of that, a, a meta theme of that is the kingdom of God is everywhere. Hmm. And are you aware of it? And how are you participating in it? And, and now, uh, is there darkness and is there evil? Absolutely. You know, there are places where the, the light is really low and we're <laughs> yeah. called to those places. So, yeah, that's how, absolutely, I, I love how you frame it. Mm. Okay, so then, like, maybe kind of jumping off from there. So we kind of talked about, like, what maybe is passing away in sort of the current state of the church. Um, 
But is there anything that you feel like this is staying the same? Like this isn't going anywhere. This isn't going to change. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I still have a lot of hope for the church and I believe in the local church. The the church isn't going to die. You know what I mean? Mm. It might be continue to be reborn and, and, and evolve and change. And, but dude, it's not going to die. Like God clear with his promises in scripture, he will not forsake us. Mm -hmm. So if we're his children in his body, you know, and the scripture gives all these like metaphors for it too, right? He's not going to abandon the church. But there are some things, I think there's some structures we need to abandon. There's some institutional issues that we need to address to continue to bring more glory to God and honor to him. And, and also, but really to show that the kingdom of God is beautiful. And so I, I, I think that's not going to change. Mm -hmm. But like what's beautiful about the co-creation with Jesus is there's so many different ways it can be. And one of the big mistakes we make is to go, Okay, so Tommy, you're saying like the old system didn't work. Okay, what's the new system? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that's our problem is, is we keep on thinking that it's a system that you can then box and sell. And because God's creative and he does, I mean, look at how Jesus healed people. <laughs> Why? How come he never did it the same way? Yeah. I think he did that because he knows our propensity to be like, mm, okay, so you spit in the mud. <laughs> yeah. And then you apply it this way, mm -hmm. and then you say these words, and it's magic. Well, we do that with a ton of things, by the way. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm railing on. And he never did it the same way. Similar, but different. Yeah. Um, sometimes he was with people. Sometimes he touched them. Sometimes he didn't. Sometimes he said things. Sometimes he did. Like, and I think that was a grace to us to go, hey, listen, I'm in control here. Trust me. Right? Mm -hmm. So I don't do... Um, so if people are like, well, do you think it should it be home, you know, house churches? Should it be mega churches? Should it be? And I go, yeah. <laughs> should it be online churches? Yeah. Should it be video game churches? Absolutely. Like, does it really matter? I, I don't know. But so it, it's just like God's up to something. Follow that. And and there's a there's a beautiful mosaic to that that I, I feel like we always try to ruin by trying to codify and, you know, make it into a system so that we could sell it. Yeah. And, and replicate it. That's, and so you just do it like this. One, two, three. Honestly, I think there's a connection there to when Jesus cleanses the temple. Mm -hmm. I, he was upset about the barrier that people created because of business and money to then have be in the presence of God. Mm. So I think that's something, another thing we got to address. That's a whole nother podcast. But, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're on so. again. But yeah, I mean, I love that you brought up the the issue of the healing because that was something just as an aside, I was reading just the other day. And yeah, I've always like wondered, like, why does he do it this way one time and do it another that that other time? And so that's a I think that's a great insight that, yeah, the key is not the method, which is we're always looking for the method. But oh, yeah. the, the system, what's the system? What are the right steps? But the key was always that Jesus was in it. And that that's the key. Yeah. And I say that too, you know, for those of you listening, I'm actually, I'm a really organized person and I, and I like systems and I like to dismantle systems and I like to create them. And I, I, so again, the organization's not wrong, but the intention and the reason why and, and the direction that we're heading, are they based on values that are scriptural mm -hmm. and are we challenging those? Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. What, what yeah. is our confidence in is the confidence in the system. Yeah, and that's where it goes wrong. 
Now, you know, at the beginning, I introduced that you are the CEO of an organization called UYWI, right? Urban Youth Workers Institute. But I just kind of wanted to ask you, like, why urban and why youth? Yeah, I mean, if I can, okay, so if I can, let me connect this. Okay, yeah. we've had this wonderful conversation about, hey, about the church and what's wrong with it and, uh, you know, all that. And, and I'll answer the why youth, why urban piece. Mm-hmm. Here, here's why, friends. One of the ways we know that the systems that we've built and, you know, why we need to continue to challenge them is because uh, there's a report that came out um, a couple of years ago. It's called the, the Pine Tops, but from the Pine Tops Foundation, the great opportunity. If you go to the, the great opportunity.org, you can see the, the study. And, and they just affirmed what we all knew, along with Barna and, and others, some other kind of research spaces. You have 1.2 million young people leaving the church every year. Wow. And and these aren't these aren't like people that haven't heard the gospel. These mm-hmm. are people that grew up in our churches, heard what what we had to, to share, our teachings about the gospel, watched us how we lived it out, and decided that's not for me. Mm-hmm. 1.2 million every year. Wow, that's crazy. Now. So we you gotta pay attention to that. And and so what kills me, then you have this pandemic and you have all this stuff happen. And people are still waiting so that they could go back to what they used to do. And I'm going, ah, I just think you missed it. I think God's up to something. You should just be aware of that, you know, mm-hmm. um, see what he's up to and, and join him. So along with that, you have 1.2 million young people leaving the church. With that, here's some demographic changes for us. Um, one, the world is young. It's urban. And I'll explain that in a minute. And it's multi-ethnic or in a global sense, it's non-white. So in our country, when I say 80% of uh, the population in our country live in cities, like it's massive, right? Like over the course of the next number of years, I think it's like 56% of the world's population Hmm. lives in cities. And in the next like 20 or 30 years, it'll be like something like 67% or something like that. So anyway, so everybody's still flocking to cities. So when I say urban in that sense, I mean, it's... It's city-based, right? Infrastructure, mm-hmm. that's what I mean. Density, population, all that. It's, it's multi-ethnic. Um, in the United States, by 2045, the majority will become the minority, meaning, very plainly, white folks will become the minority. Mm. Um, for those who are 18 and under, that already happened in 2020. Mm. So your children, my children, specifically, because both of our children are mixed, right? Yeah. Your kids are mixed. My kids are mixed. They're ethnic. They're multi-ethnic. So all the, the young people that are, we want to reach and that are leaving the church by the millions are already living in the future. <laughs> like they live in a world that's like multi-ethnic. It's not white dominated. Now you have all that. And then you have the exportation of, of urban culture, hip hop, you know, graffiti, dress, language, music, all that. That's exported all over the world. Every time I travel in the world, doesn't matter where, I hear hip hop music. I see graffiti. I see urban space, right? Mm -hmm. So I take all those things and I go, well, if we're going to reach this next generation and 1.2 million are leaving and they live in an urban, multi-ethnic and young reality, who's the best people to reach them? And who's the best people to, to help the church move into the future? Uh, 
I simply come to the conclusion, well, it's urban youth workers, not not the not what I run, but but that grouping of people and leaders. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to let everybody I can know and hear that and understand that because there are ramifications to it that we have the opportunity to actually intentionally and strategically start dealing with now so that we can reach and and so that these young people can get to know Jesus and live the abundant life that he's called them to. Become who they were created to be. Change the world. Know Jesus. Like all the beautiful things, right? And so that's how this all connects. So when we look at the future, the future is here. Like mm-hmm. it's it's here and we have an opportunity. And the pandemic was a catalyst because all it did is exposed all the things we need to work on. Um, we're still in it. All the uprisings of 2020, all the division and all the political stuff, all the racial you know issues and things that have come up. Dude, we, we have the answer to that. The gospel, it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And yet... These young people are like, that's not what they understand from the church. Mm-hmm. And that's how it all connects. That's why a, a theology of work, a theology of suffering, and the idea of God's presence, why that all works and fits in. They care about justice and they care about changing the world. And they care about all these things that are so gospel-centered, yet the, the dialogue around that is based on, I don't know, a church from the 1950s? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. I'm like, what? Like, so that's how that all fits, man. Mm, man. Well, first of all, you're blowing my mind a little bit here, just the way <laughs> that you kind of brought that around together. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing is, I mean, why, why urban and why, why youth? I mean, some of it is just very practical and pragmatic because that oh, is yeah. where the population is going. And, and in, in, in some cases, like with the youth already, they're already there. And so if we want to reach people, I mean, this is where the people are. <laughs> they are urban, you know, the, the youth, they're, they're the ones who, you know, we need to reach to, to reach the future. Um, and so, yeah, I really appreciate you kind of sharing those statistics with us and, and, and drawing that out. And um, yeah, I, I think what you brought out in terms of the disconnect between sort of the, you know, the big issues of our day and the big issues, maybe it's not just our day, but the big issues that we see in the culture and the fact that, you know, our youth, they perceive a disconnect between Christianity and, and Jesus and the church and these issues of, of justice and racism. Whereas what you're saying is, man, that is our pocket. That is our sweet spot okay. as, the, as the church. We should be able to speak into that very directly uh, with basically what what the world is looking for in terms of those those issues but because of sort of where the culture of the american church is we we have not been able to do that absolutely and and so i'll i'll share with you and we talked a little bit about this too uh, you know off the podcast but so the place we find ourselves friends is a place of a lot of tension because you know, I bring up justice and maybe some of your listeners are going to be like, well, like, okay, is he like, you know, social justice warrior? Is he just, is he, you know, this woke cult- culture or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and on the other side, it might be like, you know, other people be like, yeah, yeah, word up, man. But I'm not with all that religious Jesus stuff, man. That's all that right wing. You know what I mean? Like you just hate the LGBTQ community. Like, <laughs> like we find ourselves in the spot and the young people are, are, have spoken. They're like, I don't buy into what you're selling. What grieves me about that is 
one, the misrepresentation of Jesus and the gospel, Mm -hmm. the conversations that my community of leaders and friends that we've been living, I go, this is actually what you say you want, right? And then this time that we're in of deconstruction for all of us. I mean, Jay, you and I both, we're not leading churches right now, but we're both pastors. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I like, and, and yet you and I know more than most how difficult it is to actually go through all this that we've been going through and go, okay, what do I actually believe again? Mm-hmm. Like I'm being challenged right and left all the time. So I've coined that space for me of the radical middle. Mm. And, and really what, what I mean by that, because then people are like, oh, you're some type of centrist. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Um, radical means how radical can I be in my following of Christ? Like, how about it can I be? The middle is a place of dialogue. Hmm. It's not a place of just like, hey, man, like whatever you want to think, like, that's cool. It's not it. But the middle is a place of dialogue where you and I should be able to come together and go, okay, let's talk about this issue that we're dealing with. And let's go through the lens of scripture and wrestle with the word of God in that. Yeah. And is it consistent? And then how does that look? And then how do we share that perspective with others? And not only that, but how do we live it out? One of the number one reasons why young people leave the church is because they, they've watched us and they're like, you guys are, you're inauthentic, man. Mm-hmm. You say you believe all this stuff, you know, and I, and I know a lot of, you know, friends in the LGBTQ community and others where, where they're like, you say all are welcomed, <laughs> but you don't mean that. Yeah. And and we have to and we have to deal with that. Now, again, I'm in a lot of tension even with that conversation because I go, okay, well, I need to work through scripture on that. We need to have that dialogue because it's it's I don't know if it's an either or thing. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's some both and spaces there, and we have to deal with that. Yeah. Um, but mostly in our world today, it's so divisive. It's like, hey, you're either with me or you're against me, dude. Yeah. Like you've tweet the wrong thing and you're done, dude. Yeah. Like I, and I'm like, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much more that we could press into. And so that's that space of the radical middle where how do you form that so you can invite other people into the nuances and the, the paradox and the beauty of following Jesus who actually has real answers to a lot of this stuff. Yeah. It's just a lot of his followers uh, don't live that out. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I resonate with so much of what you're saying there. Just, uh, yeah, this idea of the radical middle. And so it's not it's not about just trying to please everybody, but it's it's about wrestling, dealing honestly with the scriptures and seeing how, how radically can I really follow what Jesus says. But I like what you said about the, the dialogue piece, because I, I mean, that's so much my heart with even just this podcast where yeah. I think... Yeah, I mean, I think one of the the missing pieces for for me and for maybe for a lot of people and a lot of our youth is that there's so many things that we just don't really talk about in the church. Like maybe we kind of very lightly touch on some um, some of these important topics, but we really don't have any true, meaningful, deep dialogue on a lot of issues that are so important to people and so so important in society. And I think part of the reason is, yeah, we're afraid. Like we're afraid of what is the fallout if we do have this conversation, right? And so, yeah. I, but, you know, I mean, I, I really feel like the key, and, and sometimes maybe 
even if you still land in uncertain places, that the dialogue itself, I think, is so important, that you've had a meaningful and sincere conversation about things that matter to people and tried honestly to wrestle with the words of Jesus on it. And even if you don't always land with, oh, we figured it out, <laughs> like we solved it. Right, right. Yeah. You know what I mean, but just the dialogue itself is so, so important. Well, and it's not, and and it's it's the dialogue because everything you're saying, absolutely, but it's also how we treat each other in the dialogue. Mm, yes. Like, can can we disagree? Absolutely, dude. And yet, I'm still called to love you. And how do I do that well? Mm-hmm. And how do we part ways well? How do we come together well? How do we disagree well? How do I, how do I affirm the image of God in you, that God loves you, that he's created you when I absolutely disagree with what you believe? Yeah. You know, that's possible. Mm -hmm. And, but people just don't think it is. It's like one of the reasons, one of the things that you asked me, like what in the church needs to change? Dude, we need to learn how to have good conflict. Mm. We're horrible at that. Horrible. And yet, one of the core things that we are called to is what Scripture talks about, the ministry of reconciliation. And we can't even do that well. So so there's an actual lived-out value-based way to actually engage in that space while living out what we already know to be true through Scripture. Mm-hmm. So, but a lot of times, and you said this, so I, and I appreciate you bringing <laughs> it up. You said, let's see, make sure I remember how you said it. Um, a lot of times we don't want to bring it up. And then what did you say? Because we're afraid of the fallout. We're afraid of the fallout. Now, here's where we, let's go back to systems, friends. So the reason we're afraid of the fallout is because it's not just the fallout. It's a loss of power. Hmm. If you don't agree with me and if I'm not 100% right, that in some weird way, it feels like it chips away at the power base of whatever I've constructed. So denomination, church, nonprofit, whatever it is, family mm-hmm. structure. So so when someone's children comes to them and they're like, I don't know if I even believe in Jesus. It's like, you know, or I think smoking weed's okay. Or I mean, whatever <laughs> it is, right? Uh-huh. It's like, you know, and then what happens? There's a, there's a move to try to control. Yeah. Well, that all has to do with systems and power bases. And this is what, so I actively work. Jay, I told you before, I was in a conversation before this that I was upset about something, and, you know. <laughs> yeah. But one of the reasons I was upset is, is and we worked it out. We had good conflict. I shared my feelings. They received it. It was great. It was good. But I'm trying to see certain systems be changed. And what I'm telling people is, Listen, one of the most gospel things you can do is give away power. Mm. That is exactly what Jesus did. <laughs> like, he's God, and he came down as a defenseless baby <laughs> yeah. into a people group that was occupied by a powerful empire. Like, like the, Jesus really was on the margins in so, so many ways, right? Mm-hmm. And he continued to give away power to the point of death in an embarrassing, humiliating way, excruciating way on the cross and then beat death. Like that is the core of our gospel. And yet when it comes to our power and institutions and things we build, 
as soon as we have to start giving away power or a perceived giving away power, if somebody comes in and goes, asks a question, we got to shut them down. Mm-hmm. We got to have them to exit quietly. We have to do power plays and all this ugly stuff. And it's de-evangelizing the church. Yeah, yeah. Now, and, and I do believe we have to fight for truth and we have to dialogue for truth and we have to, we have to really, but it's so much more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we always want to make it black and white, but God calls us into the gray of relationship. So I believe in absolute truth, you know, and I also believe that he called us into the gray of relationship. Mm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a good way of putting it. You know, one of the things, like something that you said that kind of sparked a thought in me is like one of the things that you said, it kind of reminded me of uh, politicians, right? And how there's this weird thing where if you are a politician, you can never change your mind, <laughs> right? Like, I don't oh. know if you've seen that, right? It's it's almost like it's crazy. if you ever change your mind about anything, then you're a flip-flopper, right? Or you don't, you don't know what you're talking about or whatever. And I've always thought, man, that is... Why would people value that? Like the worst thing that I could think of is a person who can never change their mind, even if they're wrong, right? Like, oh, you know, like this lack of humility, like I should be able to learn and grow and be able to say, hey, you know what? I I have a better understanding now and my views are changing. But, you know, we kind of have that value in the political world. And yeah, like kind of what you're describing, where it sort of spills over even maybe into the, the church culture, where you you always have to be... You, your position always has to be right all the time and you can't ever change your mind and grow. Bro, I'm, dude, you hit it right on the head, man. What's crazy to me is the reason why politicians, I think, don't, can't change or won't just say, hey, I've changed my mind on that. It's because those who support them have, they have power and political interests. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's, they're forced to not do that because they, they feel like if they say they were wrong, that means this, and then we're going to lose sponsors. We're going to, you know, they're going to lose power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And dude, for a Christian, I'm like, uh, yeah, we have to really think through that and how that plays out. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that example. Kind of the last question I wanted to ask you, because I always like to end these interviews uh, on a practical note. Like, what can we do with this information today? And so, you know, what do you think the church could start doing now to become that church of the future? And, you know, if you've kind of already talked about some of those things, but if you were going to try to get real practical with it, like what, what's, what are some things that we could start doing today to start becoming that church of the future? So, okay, I can answer that on two levels. One, like if you're an individual Christian, mm-hmm. right, what what do you do with all this information that you shared, <laughs> right? I would say uh, for a lot of you out there, you're already dialed into, I think, people's pain and the pain of this world and all that. What I'd suggest to you is to really see it, one, as when you suffer with other people, not just service to, but you suffer with. What does that look like? And that has to be extremely relational. If you see that as as core to your to your formation for Jesus, like you actually you need others to grow deeper in Christ, you know, that you would see that as as part of your walk with Jesus. Cuz a lot of times it's a lot of activism or it's a lot of like nice things you do for hurting people, 
But there's a there's a sense there where God's calling you into something different. And my advice to you, or my what I would press you towards, is is to to continue to wrestle with Scripture, but in walking and being aware and awake to what God's up to in the world around you. Now, mm. you might be a, a mom or dad who's at home with your two-year-old or three-year-old or whatever, and that's your space, you know, and maybe you used to volunteer for nonprofits or whatever, but but God's up to something there, right? And so if, you, if you're just awake and aware to that, mm-hmm. there's actually this beautiful journey towards that. And I think it's it's the conversation and dialogue around that that you invite other people into that space to go how can i be more aware of what god's up to in the world um because part of it is there's so much pain and because of the internet and social media you're constantly bombarded with all these things that you have to be for and with and you know what i mean or against or whatever but really god has placed people in your lives for a reason so who is he placed in your way that maybe he's inviting you to help so that they can shape you and you can shape them and join in with what God's doing. So it's not just suffering with their pain, but it's allowing other people to suffer with you and yours. Mm. And I would really encourage you to do that. That's on a real individual basis. But see that as an actual, see that as a prayer that you're inviting God in that. And you're having, as you're having conversations here, you're having it with God as well. And just asking questions and and allow that to deepen your your relationship with him. On a on an institutional, if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, or you're part of a church and you're like, well, how can our church do this? I have some super practical ways mm-hmm. in regards to your church reaching this next generation and being relevant and doing all that. A couple things. One, I believe I had a friend. His name is David Benavides. He was he runs something called Kid Works in Santa Ana, and he used to be on council on the city council. And he had this is probably like ten years ago. Uh, he had a slogan that he, a vision for why he was on council. Uh, one of them was, um, every church a community center. Hmm. I thought it was beautiful. And and imagine if every church just opened their doors and were like, we're here for the community. What what do you need? What do you want to use this building for? Mm-hmm. How can we join in with what your neighborhood's doing? That's a, that's a beautiful way to invite the community in and to start to suffer with people, to hear what they care about, what's going on. How can your church building that usually sits empty, you know, five days a week or whatever, like how can that be a, an asset to the rest of the community? Along with that, to reach the next generation, um, there's a lot of older congregations that are wondering like, where did our young people go? I would encourage you start a mentoring program. Mm. Now, here's what's really interesting about that. Um, I don't mean a mentoring program so that you can trick them to come to your church. I mean an actual legit mentoring program. One of the things about this next generation coming up, Gen Z, is they want to be mentored. Think about how think about um, the time they were they were born, like around like in the early 2000, 2008. Remember the Great Recession? Mm-hmm. That was tough times. So they're born around there, growing up, and then they're coming to age in a global pandemic. Yeah, in the worst political time I've ever been in. In a world that's completely uncertain, that's all over the place, feels like the Wild West in a lot of ways, where it's like, I don't know, everything's up for grabs. So there is a huge amount of uncertainty. They want help to figure out how to be an adult. How do they navigate this? How do I get my driver's license? How do I get a job? How do I how do I navigate this thing at work? How do I go through college? How do I deal with family stuff? How do I get healthy? How do I deal with anxiety and trauma, all that stuff? Dude, the church is full with professionals 
Mm. And people that have lived life start and just offer yourselves, figure out ways where you can engage with young people and go, hey, if you need help with your resume, come through. We'll help you out. We'll connect you with a mentor. You can call them to figure out things. Um, along with, you know, all the, you know, a lot of busted families still, yeah. they need that. So that's a real, like real practical way that you can do the, you know, the, mm-hmm. as a church um, to actually build out um, what it looks like to reach this next generation. Cause they're, they're actually desperately asking for mentoring mm-hmm. and our whole thing's built off of discipleship Yeah, and no one's really discipling anybody anyway. <laughs> so it's a really great, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a really great, like, Oh dude, it's a, uh, you know, a marriage, you know, yeah. of, of need. Not only that though, but it will, it gives your people at your church an opportunity to actually live out, to suffer with some young people, to hear what they're anxious about. Yeah. So, you know, I just caution you, don't go in there and be like, well, nobody did that for me. It's like, yeah, me neither. You know, like nobody, you know how I knew how I learned stuff is somebody yelled at me or I messed up. Mm -hmm. Nobody trained me. Nobody like mentored me to figure out life. Yeah. But oh, these man. guys want it. So yeah. it's a oh, great man. way to do That's, it. Dude, that is such a, a great suggestion. I, I love how practical that is. And I feel like, you know, we can wrap our minds around that. But it, it's a challenge, but we can wrap our minds around it. And we can see like, yeah, you know, we have we have the people, we have the resources. And so I, I love that suggestion. I, I hope that there's some people listening who are going to, you know, take that and run with it, take that to their to their church leaders and their pastors, or uh, even just as an individual, just get going on it. If your church, if your church is not about it, hey, you as an individual can, can offer yourself uh, as a mentor. So man, Tommy, thank you so much for uh, just being a guest on the podcast. Thank you so much for, you know, taking time. Now, if, if people want to connect more with you or more with uh, UIWI, how can they get connected with you guys? Yeah, man. So a couple things that I will just put out there, offer, you know, so you guys, you can follow me on Instagram, you know, Tommy UIWI, it's UIWI. It's like the worst acronym ever, but, um, <laughs> Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y, U-Y-W-Y. Um, that's, you know, Facebook and Instagram. I So check that out. Go to U-Y-W-Y.org. Um, but also, you know, if you, you're interested at all in the Radical Middle piece, um, we have a YouTube channel. Or we're, we're putting up episodes. We also had a, a podcast. If, you, if any of this interests you and you want to hear other people's opinion on all this kind of stuff in a lot of different areas, uh, go check out our podcast, uh, The Future Is Here. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcast and it's on all the, the platforms and then lastly if if you like some of those suggestions i shared at the end there's actually a book that i wrote for called uh five views on on the future of youth ministry mm. uh check that out and it's with a bunch of other amazing authors and we put this kind of quick anthology together of what we think the future holds so if you're in youth ministry or whatever and and you care about that or you're a pastor you're like well yeah i want to hear more about that you could you could go and buy that book um, just look it up and you can get that. And so, yeah. And then on UIWI.org, if you work with urban youth at all, like we are for you. I'm all about you. We're here to support you. We have so many programs to help you out. So go check all that stuff out. And I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, Jay. All right. Yeah. And I'll include links to all of that stuff in the episode description so you guys can check it out. So again, Tommy, thanks so much, man. closing song for this episode, For Everybody, is by Floetic Dre. For more music from Floetic Dre, 
find a link in the episode description. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share this episode with a friend or on social media. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Jay, you can visit dailysabbath.com or our Instagram account at dailysabbath. Everybody, this is for everybody. This is for everybody. This is for people we lost this year. This is for people who fighting for peace in a world that still don't give a look. Quiet as ever when they heat it. Still show love like God still love us. Showcase God when your life feel funny. But still thank God that you still here living. This is for all, yeah. People who losing their job, people that rather not stop. Following dreams from the start and finish with God at the top. Cause money can't rob us inside. Yeah. When God is inside, I put that on everything. This is for everyone. Yeah. Making an effort to help your community with unity. Yeah. This is for this is for this is for people who lost everything and still go to God almost every day. Every day. This is for blessings that's underrated. Yeah. This is for rappers with good lyrics. Yeah. This is for people who get mistreated and never repeat it for selfish reasons. I rap with a cost, for the cost with no cost in it. Nah. No cough, no COVID-19 in it. Nah. No church, no problem. We gon' still gather yeah. on high, two or more. I adore God when he opened doors. Yeah. They capitalize the trouble your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind. I'ma uplift y'all since the world don't care, but I do care. Listen, put your phone down, put your hands up. You want God time, go to God now. I see you chilling with your headphones, turn it all off, and it helping y'all. The devil is alive, but he's still alive. Trying to slot pride in your heart, trying to push God, but he can't be touched. So your mind gets switched up like translated Bibles in a world that's messed up. I'm trying to spike Lee y'all to wake up. This is for everybody. 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 Who do not give up when time is tough? This is for this is for everybody. Who pray to God when they slip away? This is for this is for everybody. Who let them nervous when they don't love you? Loving yourself when the world don't show Now is our time to show God is here. This is for this is for everybody. This is for this is for this is for everybody. This is for this is for you. This is for this is for everybody. This is for this is for me. This is for this is for everybody. This is for this is for this is for us. Everybody. This is for this is for everybody. 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 This is for everybody.